Science Explorers and Renegades out there, welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. The title of today's podcast is Disappointment, but it's more about a process that I've gone through, so uh, going to be a bit more about my own experience with discovering disappointment within myself. So taken from the time of discovery in meditation, the process I went through there, and how I go through Uh, all the different stages through to healing uh, the aspect of disappointment. Now, keep in mind that healing this aspect of myself might take uh, some time. It might take years, but it's a progress uh, that takes that is developing and evolving over time. So uh, there might be an update to this uh, podcast in the future. But for today, this is what we are working with, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. It is easier to forgive an enemy than to forgive a friend. And these words come from William Blake. And uh, I think we can all agree to that. But why is that? Uh, My first reaction to that quote is that it, it is based on our expectations and attachments. And a friend is someone we rely on. We, quote unquote, need them in our lives. Uh, that's why they're a friend. So we're, and we're, we have expectations on our friends. So if they, and if a friend betrays you, you have, uh, you have expectations put on them that they won't do that, that they actually will be there to support you, then uh, you will be disappointed. And uh, that, you know, it will be harder for you to forgive them. Uh, an enemy, quote-unquote enemy, um, do you expect that from? Um, so, therefore, you don't bat an eyelid when, you know, they betray you, as it were, or stab you in the back or whatever. So you don't have that level of disappointment because you don't have the same, you, know, you don't feel that that person needs to be in your life. So whether they do something bad to you or not really doesn't matter uh, in the grand scheme of things. So th- this is kind of the, the very basic analysis of uh, uh, disappointment. And it, but it really, disappointment, if we don't have attachment and we accept everything fully, there is no reason for us to be disappointed. However, disappointment is a feeling like any other feeling. And it was only um, last week that I was able to put a name to that feeling. I've felt disappointed before, but I don't know if I've necessarily ever put a name to the feeling or uh, kind of put it in my dictionary as this is my disappointment feeling, right? So before we go into dissecting the, uh, the concept of disappointment, uh, I will share my, my journey for the past week here with uh, the concept of disappointment and feeling of disappointment. So I'm sitting last week, I think it's Wednesday or Tuesday in meditation, and I practice... Uh, a meditation that is uh, well a lot of times uh, what I do is I I, uh, move around my awareness in my body and uh, then I observe things that come up Um, 
anybody who works with me on uh, psychometry or have heard me before, I always talk about observing our own experiences. And that's why I do. In my meditation, I just observe myself and that then gives me um, the practice to do that in my waking or kind of normal life uh, when I'm uh, out doing whatever I'm doing so I can see what's come I can observe what's coming up but when we do that then especially in meditation we can perceive if we are open to perceiving whatever is going to come up it can come up as whatever it wants right and it can come up uh, or it can kind of uh, communicate through whatever sense it wants to communicate through. So I'm sitting in meditation and suddenly I have this feeling and I start seeing this rather large block of stone floating up through my body. And it's bigger than my body, but it's inside my body. So it's there's one of these things I experience in meditation that it doesn't always make sense, right? But it's it's that that's kind of a clue as well. It's trying to convey to me that this is something that is huge. It's big. It's something that is uh, kind of groundbreaking, as it were, in uh, in my life. So I'm observing it. I'm allowing it to kind of reveal itself to me, and I I kind of prompted to start communicating with me and and it keeps referring to disappointment and then after a while i understand that this block of uh, or this rock is the blockage that i've been experiencing and it is disappointment right so going back a little bit in uh, in the uh, process here one thing for me that is has been challenging is uh, difficulty of feeling gratitude for example i've had i've been very challenged with evoking the feeling of gratitude so when this came up it came very clear to me that the counterbalance or the counter uh, on on the spectrum uh, the the opposite to uh, gratitude is disappointment for me in a way so i've instead of looking at uh, experiences places people whatever it is relationships uh, with uh, gratitude for whatever gifts they bring in terms of lessons or what have you it's always been a matter of disappointment and I'll come down to kind of the source of this a little bit later, but and it, it's left me feeling kind of flat, right? So when this is coming up in my meditation, suddenly things just release, right? And anyone who's been in meditation and had that or been psychotherapy or whatever and had that cathartic release, right? Um, you know you're on the right track. <laughs> and so I'm having that release of uh, just uh, relief, as it were, right? And uh, let's see. Also, disappointment then uh, kind of goes into uh, the resisting acceptance, right? So if I'm attached to an outcome or I'm attached to 
expectations, then it's going to be difficult for me to uh, experience acceptance. I'm, I have expectations of my friends, therefore I won't be able to accept, uh, accept their journey for whatever they, their journey is, right? Uh, and you guys will have heard me talk about acceptance many times, and acceptance is something I've understood as a uh, intellectual kind of uh, well, I've been able to intellectualize it and understand it, but you come to these situations where you have, it moves from knowledge to experience. So you experience that within yourself in relation to your own journey, then suddenly it moves from knowledge into wisdom. So that's what this uh, relationship with disappointment kind of uh, brought to me and um, that also then of course uh, prevents me from uh, kind of learning the lessons that are to come out of all my experiences because I'm focusing on disappointment right and another interesting aspect that came out of it uh, and again it's relating to the and again, it's the, the symbolism that comes up when you communicate, you do this uh, felt sense of body communication, right? Uh, and it's, you know, the block or the rock and so forth, the hardness of it, the, the kind of size of it and all of that. It was blocking my future visioning because I realized that one, one challenge I've had when doing like manifestation work and so forth is that I wasn't able to emotionally connect with what I was uh, kind of perceiving. Uh, so if I perceived myself on a beach in Spain or something like that, I wasn't able to evoke the uh, emotions that would that would feel if I was there, because I didn't see as something that. I was wanting to do it was some i saw it as something i was disappointed at not doing at that very moment so now being able to flip the script on that i'm able to look at myself and say okay am i now uh, am i looking at this situation with disappointment or am i looking at it with gratitude and able to evoke the uh, emotions around it so it's just this moment of body communication, I'm now revealing the whole, a whole aspect of myself and a whole story about myself that is disappointing. If I understood you correctly, you started to like detach yourself from uh, your disappointment and uh, started to see things with a more uh, joyous outlook on things and more... <clears throat> and more um, gratitude with more gratitude like internally not intellectualizing it but more uh, internally you felt like now i see things with uh, more gratitude right well it's i think it was more being you come to the insight of how you perceive things because a lot of times these things kind of hide in your blind spots right mm -hmm. uh, and so it's being able to have revealed to you the things that are blocking you in life 
then from that you can then choose to go uh, kind of take from it what you can so in this case it allowed me to see where my blockages were and mm -hmm. i could then say okay well if this if disappointment feels like this what would it take for me to feel gratitude mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I understand. So uh, you, you ask that question, and then your subconscious can come in and say, "Well, this is how gratitude feels." Yeah, I mm -hmm. understand. Uh, but my original question was, uh, I'm not sure if it's the same. Maybe it's maybe it's kind of like the same. But you said the resisting acceptance and the, like the disappointment <clears throat> aspect. It's can you describe it something like ego, something like uh, like your ego, and when you're not aware of that ego, or when you're not aware of the disappointment, when you become more aware to it, and you can um, try to like not predict, but uh, you want to feel more when you're not on the level of now I see things with gratitude, but you want to become this way. So you try to predict how would it feel to see things with more gratitude and with more joy. And yeah, I, I tend to. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. tend to, I tend to use the uh, terminology shadow instead of ego. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And yeah, it is one one of those aspects where you you. It's more <clears throat> when you uh, when you become aware of it. That's the first step. And it's the same thing in psychotherapy. Mm -hmm, yeah. In order to heal something, you need to be aware of what you need to heal, right? So um, yeah, being, okay. a, being aware of that, you know, co the consistent aspect uh, blockage for me throughout my life has been disappointment in, <clears throat> in the way that I've perceived my experiences, my relationships, uh, people around me, friends, what have you. That then being aware of that purely by being aware of it it allows me to be uh, observe it when it uh, appears in my body so uh, you know when i'm work dealing with my children you know i had an argument with my daughter this morning mm -hmm. so then i can observe myself how i show up in that relationship and i i notice that oh there's disappointment coming up perhaps mm -hmm. i'm disappointment disappointed at how i'm uh, showing up for her or how I'm reacting to her or I'm disappointed at uh, how she's reacting to me, right? Okay. And then, then I can say, okay, well, there's disappointment coming up here. Well, how would it feel if I, if I accepted her journey mm -hmm. yeah, okay. and understood okay. and accepted that her reaction to me has nothing to do with, uh, uh, with me, it's all about her perception of her own experience. Mm -hmm. So every person, uh, I think, maybe, I don't know if you would agree, every person, the shadow of that person is different, right? So if it was for you the disappointment, if I see it, uh, I see people, they, when they look at the world, it's like lenses. So in my life, I think my shadow was a lot uh, like sloth, a lot of uh, like... Um, how to say it, like uh, accepting the world how it is and not changing myself, not changing the world because it is what it is, like something like that. So I could call my shadow like a sloth or it's not exactly like that? Well, 
Well, I think that in particular would you would have it's kind of a, a paradox, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because in order to in order to become aware of these things, we have to release control and we have to allow things to flow the way it wants to flow. Mm-hmm. But then on the counter to that, if you're sitting there doing nothing and yeah. you have no desire of uh, being becoming aware, then you mm-hmm. won't become aware. Right. Then you, yeah, okay, understand. So, so okay, yes, of course, and I mean there are many, many layers to every person's uh, uh, shadow because mm-hmm. we all have unique experiences, and I, I for one tend to believe in uh, past lives. So, you know, you add that to the mix, and then the layers uh, increase, you know, by the order of magnitude, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank uh, you, <laughs> No, no, I, I, I see Carol want to say something for the first yeah. five minutes. Sure. Thank you very much. A really interesting discussion. Well, Christopher, I'm really grateful for the fact that you shared your experience. And I'm kind of really happy and excited for you that you took lesson. And I've got a few um, like experiences that I can definitely relate to it, or okay. it's something very similar. So Please. again something that is very recent to me and lots of disappointment that went through and it's something um, to do with the meditation as well so in the last week or so as you know I'm, I'm very big on my meditation practice and I spend I've got this kind of routine in the morning and I've been doing that for some time and getting to that really nice and deep concentration training my mind to to be focused, to be single point of attention, it's it has proved to be kind of you know my second nature, if you like. And for some reason, last week I was struggling to count to three, so I sat in the meditation and one, two, and I was there, you know, and I was very struggling to get back to it. And again, it evoked a lot of emotions, a lot of lots of disappointment. And I was trying to figure out what is going on. Um, again, I accept it because, and I was, again, I was very restless during that time. So I am able to sit in meditative position for hours. And, you know, last week it was pain for me to sit five minutes. It was literally painful. And I thought this is a lesson. This is not the, the, the experiences that I have. It's not something that is going to be obs that it although it seems like obstacle is the wonderful opportunity for me to grow. And if I can see what is the lesson there, I can really come out as a better individual and better person, better therapist. So I started looking into that as from this point point of view. And you were talking a lot about the acceptance. And I think acceptance is that kind of theme that we don't have, I know that we argued about that or had the exchange of communication in terms of what we can control and what we cannot control. Um, but we both kind of agree that we, the number of things that we can control is very limited. And uh, <laughs> We can have that discussion again. It's okay, Carol. Of course we can. And uh, no doubt we, we will <laughs> at some point. But there is only limited amount of the um, things that we can control. So some sometimes the flow of 
our thoughts, you know, the physical pain. We say we have our body, but we might go for run every day to run five or 10K, but sometimes we go to the day that the, the time is just worse than than previous um, efforts. So do we really have control over how fast we run or how, you know, how um, clear our mind is? We can do our best and we can always aim and strive to do our best, but our best today, it differs to our best yesterday and it differs to our best tomorrow. This is the process, is the fluctuation. So acceptance is a huge part of it that we need to accept the way we are in that moment. And that moment is the only one moment that we have. There is nothing else. Nothing else exists behind, you know, beyond this moment because the past and the future is all encapsulated in now. Um, but from this perspective, from this kind of reality that we are, we are in. And when you were talking about attachment and when you were talking about that beach in Spain, that's the kind of attachment that you or people have. And I'm, I'm doing that as well. Like I have the attachment that my, I let my um, emotions or I let my ego to be attached to those external circumstances. Whereas the temple is there. The temple is inside the cosmos, the whole universe is is within me so maybe those experiences that those emotions of disappointment those uh reflections on acceptance on going through all of that adverse and obstacle is that reflection that really kind of brings those blind spots in front of your eyes and you have to deal with it really to build that temple within you so then you can deal with reality whether you are sitting in the beach on beach in Spain or wherever you're in the underground in London. Well, absolutely. And I, I think the challenge there, if you look at the how we uh, how the, the blind spots, if you like, is that they are blind spots because they're trying to hide from us, right? And in my case, you know, disappointment was a defense mechanism, right? And it's hiding within me. And I've spent the past six years looking for it. And this is where, you know, having patience to know that it's going to reveal itself when the time is right is also part of acceptance. Mm -hmm. Accepting that time and space is uh, inconsequential in terms of you being in the right energetic makeup uh, or vibrational makeup for it to uh, reveal itself right yeah. and what you're talking about before with the uh, uh, the example of the running it kind of goes back to what larry was talking about the uh, apathy or the uh, lethargy of uh, just allowing but you're doing it from a perspective of not taking action right mm. so yes you can uh, you can only do your best, but if you and you accept that that was the best I could do at that time, you don't necessarily have to accept that that is going to be your best for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Right? So it's you you allow the best you could accomplish on that particular day to reveal to you what is it within that that can 
allow me to become a, a better version of myself mm. or a more optimal version of myself. Absolutely. And there was one other thing that Larry said that I found particularly interesting, and it was about those lenses. So if you are searching, so I've got those really nice cycling lenses that I can replace the glass depending on the conditions. So on sunny conditions, I can use like black ones, on very cloudy, like transparent ones, and you've got like six different lenses depending on the conditions. And if you are unaware that disappointment is your pattern, that is your self-defense mechanism, you don't have the choice. So depending on the conditions, regardless of the conditions that you are in, you always wear the same color of lenses. But once you have that awareness, you can replace it, you can change it, you can adjust. And when something comes in into your awareness that I'm getting disappointed, then you can feel, okay, I see you. I see that there is a disappointment there and now I can choose if I want to talk through the perspective of that disappointment or I can bypass this. I can acknowledge it's there. Thank you very much that you appear. You're a part of me, but I don't need to filter myself through that emotion. Absolutely. And that, that's the beauty of bringing things to our awareness because A, you, you, you bring the feeling up and you, you're putting a, a label on it, if you like, and therefore you now, whenever it comes up, you are now going to be able to say, aha, disappointment, right? However, in order to do that, or in order to be able to observe that, we do need to practice mindfulness so that we're not simply reacting from our core wounding, which is, in this case, disappointment, right? Because then you, you're stuck in your head and you're just reacting to whatever comes up. So if we are mindful and we are able to observe our own experiences from our awareness, then we can then catch that, catch that emotion and say, oh, interesting, I have, I have a disappointment coming up here now. Why is that? Who am I disappointed, uh, disappointed with? Am I... You know, is it the situation? Is it the experience? Is it the person I'm interacting with? Is it the relationship? Is it the is it something from the past that's coming up? So you, you can kind of ask those questions and the emotion can then reveal itself to you again, right? What what is it that's triggered it? What is the source of it, right? So absolutely it's a that is the essence of awareness is to be able to bring these to the forefront and oftentimes you know in life we grow up being told that emotions are bad and we shouldn't be so sensitive or stop crying or pucker up stuff up a lip etc etc you know well, then you're told that often enough, then your, your subconscious is going to start believing it and we're going to start avoiding all those emotions that come up, right? So I've said this many times before that as well, that, uh, you know, typically people have three emotions or aware of three emotions. It's happy, sad, and pissed off, right? Beyond that, we're like, no, I'm not sure. So for me, and I, I've been, <laughs> so, you know, I kind of laugh about it because I've been working hard at this for six years, right? And for me, I've 
I just boiled it down to anger. But it wasn't anger. There was disappointment hiding, hiding right underneath it. And it just took that right, the right conditions internally, externally, for that disappointment to be revealed. And that's where we, if we can have the patience with ourselves to just go through the motions and the practices, then things can, those things can reveal themselves to us. And we can have these epiphanies, which become a, a cathartic all in and itself. It is very interesting what you're saying. And I definitely agree with you that there are these like broad spectrum of people who have, you know, experienced free emotions really. But emotions, this is a very interesting area in which how our language and how our striving for conceptualization really reduce our emotional um, attention to our emotional state because emotions are not logical, emotions are not verbal. We try to find the words to describe our emotions, but we basically try to describe words, we try to use words for something that is it's not verbal. Mm-hmm. And um, and therefore that is a challenge because everyone's got that own internal experience and we don't know how to really communicate and therefore art is so essential in people's life because art is really good in kind of representation something that cannot be verbalized mm-hmm. therefore music can evoke the emotions that cannot be evoked by using words therefore the beautiful paintings the paintings on the kind of you know um in churches or cathedrals bring all of those internal states because they tap into that part of the brain that by nature cannot be tapped into by using words I agree with that, but I think also when you when you go when you have or you bring that awareness and you you observe yourself and you 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 practice the uh, felt sense, uh, you do the felt sense practice, and you just allow it to communicate with you. It will give you something for you to recognize it by, right? If that being a color texture shape, uh, word, or whatever it may be, you know, what I experienced as uh, disappointment, that same emotion with someone else might be uh, uh, something completely different. They might identify that as completely, uh, something completely different. So yes, it is something that is entirely uh, individual. And it is something that often, sometimes we can't describe, but I think at some point, when we sit with it long enough and we allow it to reveal itself to us, it does reveal something that we can verbalize out and we can express it out into uh, uh, you know, whatever language we use, uh, whether that being Polish, Swedish, English, or whatever. 100%, but that, that patience and that, that determination in order to pursue that truth is essential. Because then you can really put yourself in the shoes of someone else. So without that kind of the verbal, without that awareness, for example, you wouldn't be able to communicate with your daughter because you didn't have that awareness that she's got that awareness. And if you are just using the three words described as like pissed off, sad, or happy, mm-hmm. then you cannot connect to that experience. Oh. But if you allow everything, like all spectrum, the diverse spectrum of, uh, of expression, like music, art, words, symbols, whatever 
then you can connect with that. And that connection is almost like archetypical, it's deeper. But then when you're really doing that research and you're spending six years discovering it, then you can, it's much easier, it's getting easier to put it into words. Absolutely. But that's the, that's the beautiful journey. Like you, when you start just digging into that, it's very difficult to vocalize that and mm-hmm. really put that into words. Absolutely. And it's uh, what you're describing is empathy. That's the, the concept of empathy. And in order to be able to show empathy, you need to have emotional intelligence because you how can you recognize the emotion within someone else if you don't know that emotion within yourself uh, to begin with? So uh, I'm just making sure uh, with something that Carol said, uh, do you think, do you still think that uh, emotions are illogical or you thought it in the past? Because I would disagree, but I want to make sure if this um, is your position. So there is a wonderful book by Ian McGill's Chris called The Master and His Emissary. Wait, wait, how, how the book is called? I am going to write it down in the chat, but it's called okay, The Master you. and His Emissary. And basically in his book, he makes a claim. He is a psychiatrist and a neuroscientist and philosopher. And he basically he's been working as a psychiatrist for 30 or 40 years. And mm-hmm. he's been doing the research into the hemispheric di- diversification and different roles of the different right and left hemisphere. And basically it's not the fact that emotions are illogical, but they are there is a reason and there is a mechanism into emotions mm-hmm. um, and the emotions are basically primary. Okay. So mm-hmm. basically emotions are the, our mechanism in which like we triggers, adapt- no triggers, messengers. These are the words. Basically mm-hmm. emotions are tools that were developed to help that help us to navigate through the world. So for example, if you are in mm-hmm. the, you know, uh, in the forest, when there is a darkness and you are you don't know what is there, when you hear the bang or you know yeah. that triggers a set of the biological responses that triggers certain behaviors. And of course, we know now that all of those emotions are experienced by different species in this planet, and those species don't necessarily know language. So there is. And if we, Western civilization, Western world very often put a lot of effort and a lot of emphasis on logical aspect that the left brain aspect, the, the vocabulary and the grammar and things like that as the logical, saying that everything that is emotional is illogical. I disagree with that. I think emotions are the mechanism that helps us navigate through the world, are essential and they're primary. And they are, they come very often before well, they always come before uh, wars. Mm-hmm. Before, yeah, yeah. Before, before even, uh, even maybe for thoughts. Speech. So, yeah. and before thoughts, you're absolutely right. So they're actually the messengers. Yeah, every so I every... would agree with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. because uh, when you said, because uh, I heard it a lot in my life, throughout my life, that, uh, yeah, emotions are illogical, um, and I was always analytical and always tried to be how to say it the most logical that i could be like look at every situation logically and like put aside every emotion or not every emotion but i knew that there are emotions but they are illogical but now after um, i thought about it 
a lot about emotions. I think they're pretty logical because every interaction has its own like rules, like rules of how I observe myself, of how of my awareness of the intellectually um, emotional intellectuality of myself or the awareness of the person that I'm talking to. And if I'm aware of his awareness of his um, emotional uh, status or uh, intellectual emotionality, then I I can connect with him or her um, better because I understand uh, his perspective. I understand where he's coming from and I can connect with him much easier because I'm detaching myself from the interaction. I'm not putting myself in my defenses and I'm just trying to understand his perspective. So because of that, I, I came to the conclusion that even emotions are logical because the person that, or even myself, when I when I feel something, it's because of something else. It's not just because it's, I feel anxious if I'm in a forest and I don't know if I need to be fearful for my life or if I'm in danger of, or if I'm joyful, if I'm uh, spending time with my family or my loved ones. It's like, it's like a messenger. Yes, it's like a they are the prime even before you think about it why do i feel loved or why do i feel sad today you're you, the first thing is you feel this feeling you feel sadness or you feel disappointment or you feel apathy so because of that i, I it's it, it stroke a chord with me that uh, that emotions i think is pretty logical and uh, in today's society we as humans don't view it as as such as uh, as logical i would i would argue that emotions are the purity of uh, logic because they are mm -hmm. the ones that yeah. are revealing to you how you experience any given situation that you show up in. Uh, logic from a mind point of view is uh, assessing all the external aspects of an experience and that's going to be different from uh, my experience to someone else's experience. Mm -hmm. The emotion yeah, yeah. is the pure communicator from your body to, to you to say, this is how we are experiencing this, this situation, right? So that's, and this is, you know, Larry, you've been, you've joined us for the psychometry class. And it, it's really about that. It's about experiencing your inside as opposed to the outside, right? Because the outside is going to be experienced differently from different people. And But we, we are constantly told, as you point out, Larry, that we can only trust whatever shows up in the external. It has to be validated in the external, otherwise we can't trust it. But in actual fact, the only thing we should trust is our internal emotions. Because then that's the only thing that is true to us. Yeah, it's ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So, no, I totally agree with that. And actually, on that note, uh, the, the the whole title of the book, "The Master and His Emissary," it's it kind of took place from it because basically, if you think about that, that right right hand brain that is known to process all of the emotions, that see everything as wholeness see all of the interaction is the dominant hemisphere whereas left hand uh, or left hemisphere is the 
hemisphere that strikes to know, to categorize things, to dissect things. And there was um, that story that Magilchrist is talking about in his book, um, that it was this massive empire and uh, um, and the king of that empire, the emperor, sent his emissary to rule the part of the very distant part of one empire. And of course, that that um, emissary, after some time, he grew really strong and powerful, and he thought that he is he's going to you know take charge of the emperor. But emperor was always in charge. So even though that the emissary thought that he's much more powerful than emperor, that wasn't the truth at all. And this is basically the way our brain interact with each other. The left hemisphere and the right hemisphere interact with each other. The emotions are primary. This is who we are. That's the but logic. The logic, the left brain, the the, the words they the they found the way. Oh, we are so powerful, but no, we still emotional beasts, mm -hmm. and there is logic behind that because without this, we wouldn't be able to survive. So that mechanism proved to work very well over the millennia. Of course, appreciate that, Carl. Um... And uh, thank you for, uh, we, we had a little bit of a digression here, but it's always important to uh, explore this fully so we can understand how we respond to things. And uh, so I appreciate that input. And let me give you a little bit of a kind of background to the the source. So when I, when you, when you have something coming up or revealing itself to you, it's, I find anyway, in my experience, it's always important to ask, you know, whether that being a trigger or whatever it is, you know, anger or whatever comes up, to always ask, what is the, when did I experience this the, uh, the first time? Because now you have an opportunity, whenever you're triggered by something or something comes up, you have an opportunity to go back and find the source of it. So, of course, I did that with this experience too. And understanding where 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 did this pattern of the, uh, disappointment come about why did i develop this defense mechanism what i've come up with thus far is you know that at a very young age i was disappointed in the people that was there that were there to protect me i didn't uh, because you know i've i had uh, as a child you know the i was uh, kind of handed off to people and uh, so one would look at that and say, oh, well, then you have uh, uh, abandonment issues, right? And I was always looking at, yes, of course, I have abandonment issues, but how, how does that, how do I experience that? And this is where the disappointment come in, comes in, because I, I, when I experienced this disappointment over and over again with people that were supposed to be there to protect me, and I felt let down all the time, then that became part of the pattern to expect. So I always thought I expected the uh, the best of people, and to a certain degree I do. But I I always I suppose felt that um, an expectation of that I was going to be disappointed in some way. So you know, uh, even though my experiences have allowed me to build resilience and independence, the defense mechanism of disappointment also comes up because if i'm if i 
if I kind of bring in the disappointment, then uh, as an expectation, then I don't have to uh, be surprised when people or situations or experiences disappoint me, right? So it becomes that defense mechanism. It's not a coping mechanism, coping mechanism, which we're talking about next week, uh, but it's a defense mechanism to protect my my heart, to protect my emotions. And in Sweden now, they incorporated into the medical field, they actually they uh, diagnose people with broken hearts. So the heart as a energetic and a, a physical uh, and emotional uh, part of our body, it's, it's quite unique in that respect. So the, uh, the mind or the shadow, or the, the different aspects of our, our, our awareness or being or consciousness can then go in and create protections around the heart to make sure that we don't end up uh, causing damage to it. So disappointment is one of those uh, defense mechanisms. You know, it was probably worked out very well for me for a while, but uh, obviously now it's came to a point, well, six years ago, that, you know, disappointment was not serving me any longer. Or it's built up to the point where it's like, no, we need a new journey, a new trajectory here. You know, and then then there is that battle, as I was describing, between hope and disappointment within myself. And that then leads to anxiety and depression, right? And it's also that desire to, or to desire more, but to know that I'm not going to get it. That then becomes a source for procrastination which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, which is something that I've struggled with as well. And then also this idea of running from things. And uh, anyone who's worked with me as a client, I always talk about we need to see if we can run towards things as opposed to running away from things. Now, I tended to run away from uh, disappointment to see what can I, you know, where can I find situations or places or people where I'm not going to feel disappointed. Of course, you know, it's not about places, it's not about people, it's about my perception of it. It's not about what people do to me, it's not, you know, where I show up, it doesn't matter if it's raining or not, it's how I perceive it. If I perceive it as disappointing, then I'm going to feel disappointed, right? The emotion of disappointment is going to come up. Again, here's flipping the script. It's a matter of flipping the script and... Uh, going into understanding the the opposite of the disappointment, right? So, uh, and future visioning, uh, same thing here, disappointed that rather than holding the feeling, I, 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 like I said before, I would be disappointed that I didn't have that already. And this, for anybody who's practicing uh, manifestation and uh, law of uh, attraction, that's really important to hold that feeling of, how am I going to feel once I get to the point where I want to be or what I want to experience? How is that going to make me feel? When we realize, or when I realized all this, it gives me the opportunity to shift. But it's, it is a choice. I can choose to, I could have chosen to ignore the whole experience with the rock coming up inside me as irrelevant, right? But now I choose to look at it and I look to uh, choose to shift because I see it as, as instrumental to my journey. It is always the smallest aspects or the smallest shifts in our uh, consciousness or in our perception or in our awareness 
that allows us to see the blind spots, but we can't ever force them. They have to come by themselves because, or rather they do come about when we least expect it. And they come about when the conditions are perfect for us to have them revealed to us. And once we understand it, and once we have it in our awareness, and once we have it identified, and once we've experienced it, so again, you know, we can intellectualize these things, we can understand it. I've fully understood disappointment before, I fully understand, uh, understood what acceptance was really about. But in order to transfer it to wisdom, transfer it to something that we innately and instinctively know, we have to experience it. So this is why it's important as well to continue to work with it and to allow it to continue to open up to us or that we open up to it. Um, So flipping the script on disappointment, because it is a perception of my experience. I can now flip the script on it and say, okay, well, I can see it from the perspective of being disappointed, but how would it feel if I felt grateful for it? How would it feel if I felt in acceptance of the experience? Would I feel calm? Would I feel, how would I feel? Would I feel free, lighter? How would, what would it take and how would I feel? So now I'm allowing myself to experience or explore different aspects of the same experience and this can go back to all the different experiences i've had in my entire life starting with where i first experienced disappointment how would it feel to see how would it feel if i experienced this from a different perspective and this is where we then uh, use the the four tenets that i always talk about the compassion acceptance forgiveness and gratitude so we go into these experiences And then we have compassion for ourselves and everybody else in there. And if I don't understand where it's come or where what what the challenge is, then it's going to be difficult to go through all those steps. But now, because I understand one part of it at least, I'm sure there are other aspects of it, but for me, disappointment is one aspect. Now I understand that. I can approach compassion, acceptance, forgiveness, and gratitude from a completely different perspective. So I just wanted to share with you today this experience and how this kind of shift happened for me so that you might be able to ask yourself or pose the question to your own subconscious, how would it feel for me to have uh, something revealed to me that is important to me? Because whenever you ask questions to yourself and you kind of post these things to yourself, your subconscious is compelled to give you an answer because our minds don't like loose ends, doesn't like open-ended things. It wants things nice, neat, kind of categorized, compartmentalized. So throwing out lofty questions, and I think it was uh, Rex Sykes who uh, first came up with this back in the 80s and asking questions, how would it feel if I... And if you do that, then the mind is going to try and put lid on it, as it were, and kind of conclude it as soon as possible or as quickly as possible. So therefore, if you ask that lofty question, then the mind is going to give you an answer or give you an opportunity to experience that. It is important in my experience that we then remain open to receiving the answer or receiving the experience, right? 
So yeah, sure, Larry, we look for solutions or solve problems. Um, and that's what the mind does. And my father always used to say, you know, when he was trying to remember something, it's like, let me just input it to the computer, let it work, and it'll come out later. So he put it in there, we go on talking about something else. And you all know that if you let, you drop the resistance to it by focusing or trying too hard, it comes by itself. And that's the same thing here. Ask the question, but then release the question. Release the expectation of receiving an answer. Be open to uh, receiving the experience. Thank you, everybody, for showing up today, as always, with beautiful energies and with intellectual inquisitiveness and uh, ready and willing to share. Uh, even if you haven't commented or asked any questions, it's the energy of uh, that you show up with, with wanting to learn and find out more and explore and uh, learn about yourself. So I appreciate that. Thank you and have a wonderful day. We'll see you next week. I hope that resonated with you and that you were able to find some aspects that you feel that would be able to fit into your own process and that you are going to be able to use when you are working with yourself to uh, be able to work your own process and uh, find your own healing journey. If you are interested in exploring this uh, felt sense process further, uh, there is a meditation, guided meditation on the alchemyexperience.co.uk called Body Communication and Mind-Heart Connection that you can download and uh, work with yourself to experience that process. And of course, if you would like to have some guidance and uh, some help in working through your process and developing a practice for yourself, then, uh, of course, uh, contact us again through thealchemyexperience.co.uk and set up a 30-minute uh, free consultation with us to see if we might be the uh, workshop for you to explore these aspects within yourself. For now, that's it for this week, and I hope to see you next week at 11.11 a.m. British time uh, on Friday, and uh, have a great one in the meantime. Bye for now.